This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. Welcome back. So we're in session two, and welcome to the Diva Talk Radio Evening Edition. We will start the evening off again with a topic where we left off at, and that was with um, being able to be mindful and being present and things like that. And we taught you how to be present and what we're talking about, which is reactive abuse and having the reactive abuse syndrome from dealing with domestic violence. And we're talking about domestic violence and COVID and how that can go from one end of the spectrum to the other and how victims are usually shamed or toxic humiliated and done wrong when it comes down to domestic violence and how long it takes and where we left off at was when we were talking about the heroes that can be beneficial in this and that is the police departments the um, courts and things like that when you have domestic violence and things like that but part of this was we are teaching you about what the parts of domestic violence and the downside of it and what victims have to go through with that and learning how to be present in those reactions and for every action there is a reaction so you have to be prepared to deal with the actual reaction to unreasonable insufferable intolerable abusive antics and things that happen to victims of domestic violence and a lot of people don't want to hear it because it means that it hits close to home and a lot of times that it causes levels and depths of people to have to look inward and part of that is not easy to do and it's not easy to do for anybody that is either malignant in narcissism or malignant in antisocial personality disorder or a toxic mate or toxic abuser toxic dating or intimate partner violence or dating violence because it would force some people to actually have to introspectively look in and instead of always shaming and blaming or humiliating and a lot of that would take a person to look into the loathsome hatred, the 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 distasteful, the abhorrence, the abomination of their behaviors, and the things that make the victim recoil, shrink from, or, you know, absolutely legitimately be justified in hating that person's guts or their actions. And some people who relish in the, the abhorrent behaviors, you know, the abomination of behaviors that they exact on person and their levels of revenge and the vengeful spiteful antics that go on in domestic violence and domestic disputes and then it causes that victim to feel some aversion and revulsion towards that person or feel hostile towards them or feel repelled or revolted by that person after what they realize has been done to them and part of that is the regard with disgust and not able to bear or stand or be able to stomach what's happened is what causes the levels of hostility animosity and with that a person has to be understanding of that and be willing to deal with the aftermath of that. The reason why is that 
people don't realize that it takes a lot. The the labeling, the 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 misdiagnosis, the the unprofessionalism, the doubting of a person's accomplishments, the eroding of their character, the um, for lack of better words, the smear campaigns. <clears throat> And let me clear my throat on that, because the unprofessionalism that gets displayed to a domestic violence victim or what I call a recovery warrior or the experiences that are very detrimental, the feelings and the thoughts that were invalidated and the levels of name calling and the levels and depths of disrespect or disregard for a person's dreams, their future, their work, the things that they've done. And when you're dealing with domestic violence, whether it's work whether it's non-work, whether it's outside of that, your environment, whether it's familial, whether it's non-familial, whether it's domestic violence inclined, and it forces people to look inside of themselves or what they enabled or what they did not help to relieve or alleviate in enough time, and the levels of inhumanity and the levels of cruelty that people exact and people are okay with. And this is what I meant by the online shame or the, the defaming and things like that. And you cannot explain empathy to a malignant narcissist or sociopath. You can't explain empathy to a toxic work environment set of people. Or you can't explain empathy to people who are manipulators or master manipulators or people who play mind games. Because it's easier to explain color to a blind person. If you're astonished that he or she fails to mention anything outside of that but me, me, me and what they feel like. They should shame you about you're never going to get that out of them you're better off explaining color patterns and to a blind person legitimately you would spend more time getting more of that across to that person and you can understand a blind person can't see color right but you can't get a person who is malignant in their narcissism sociopathy or toxic behaviors or dumb insolence or levels of enablement or levels of bad management piss poor management or people who are toxic in their behaviors or have been enabled for a number of years who don't like being revealed for the person that they are so a lot of times the victim spends more time justifying their reasonable reaction to toxic malignant behaviors or recruiting of malignant people who do this and then they turn around and want to justify their behaviors because well oh, I we did it because so-and-so told me to do it well nobody put a gun to your head and made you do it right so think about all of those type of things when a person is pulling their hair out having to deal with you <laughs> nobody wants to deal with it <laughs> you know and when you have to fight someone morning noon and night and you have to punch back and you literally start punching back and re mirroring their same behaviors then it's an offensive thing to a malignant narcissist sociopath or even when you're dealing in a spousal situation domestic violence domestic terrorism domestic abuse or emotional violent person you're going to deal with the heavy punches of that Because that malignant, toxic person has no shame, no contrition. They have no ability to look within and have any remorse for what they've done. And a lot of times they'll justify your upset and anger and find a way for them to play the victim and, and being what I call a professional victim or what I call a vulnerable, toxic narc. And a lot of times they'll do cruel things on these people's behalf and then bully that person or they'll sit there aid the trifling behaviors or the things that are very detrimental to that person's mental health, emotional health, then turn around and question that person's mental health. And a lot of times that's used in courts, that's used in family law, family practice, and it's also used 
and people who abuse law enforcement, municipal resources and things like that. I've had that happen. And the reason why I share these things with you guys is because when you finally prove it and people realize that you're telling the truth, sometimes it angers those that fell for the okie doke or it angers those that who have went through it. They feel some type of bad, but it's hard for them to admit I was wrong. Hey, maybe you do deserve a chance. Maybe you deserve someone to listen to what happened. Maybe you do deserve that justice. Maybe you deserve that lawyer. Or maybe you do deserve for someone to say I'm sorry. And it took a couple of Leos that actually did apologize to me. And I'll never forget this. And it really does really make me feel a little bit better when a couple of Leos at the local department had said, I'm sorry that you went through this. And I'll never forget it because that person didn't have to take the time to say I'm sorry. But I'm sorry that you feel like this. And I'm sorry for what happened. And you don't deserve this. That one person set the tone and my difference towards the the police department and some people who've actually taken <clears throat> what I call accountability. My voice is shaky because it's just not easy to talk about. But because I was able to hear some people who actually cared, who actually said, okay, I'm sorry. No, you don't deserve this. This is just ridiculous. I'm sorry. That was a level of validation. And then I came across some things about reactive abuse, and that's why I did this two-part mini-series about it, because I realized there's some people who are going through COVID right now. They're sitting with a domestic terrorist or emotional abuser, emotional vampire who's draining their life energy. And I wanted to give you hope that there's a way to cope with that and with those lessons and that we're going to go over how to be grateful for the good things so that you can learn to tune them out and find things to be happy about and grateful and we'll go in that next lesson in just a minute because not only does it help me to help you but it helps for you who are out there alone and by yourself feeling like I can never get through this or I'll never be able to leave. You can. It's just going to take time and it's going to take a long time to prove it. But stay steadfast and be mindful that you've got to maneuver safely in dealing with a malignant narc or a toxic narc or a sociopathic narc. And when you're dealing with people who are not narcs or di uh, not diagnosed narcs, but you know they have narcissism or toxic traits that become deadly traits, then you have to operate just the same because they are very very toxic and they're not very safe to be around they're definitely red flags and they're people that will literally go out their way to play nice long enough to go start that again and you have to be careful in that because at that point you realize as a victim that you're used as a pawn for their narc foolery instead of toxic narcs that target the victim or in my case a recovery warrior that's going through levels of trying to recover from domestic violence, domestic terrorism and domestic abuse and emotional abuse and the levels of harm detrimental to my daughter and myself that has happened over a period of time in a number of years. And with that you have to think to yourself with walk with wise people and become wise. A companion of foolish people suffers harm. And the thing is, you do not have to be a companion of a malignant narcissist or toxic people or toxic environments. Because if you become, if you can't beat them, join them does not work with narcissists. If you can't beat them, join them only works to their advantage. And they'll use that for court. They'll use that as videotape. They'll use that to go to courts and tell lies. They'll use that to covert threat, behavioral health management, things like that. It's been done to me. And then when I had the receipts and told the truth, then it was a whole different story. Now it's like people want to come out the woodwork and support, but it's kind of like 
at first I was angry and then I was like, you know what, I'll stay calm and I'll address what I don't like and how come I was angry and why I've reacted like I have because it's the years of invalidation and the intimidation, the coercive control, the threats, the financial abuse, the economic abuse, the levels that narcs go to to shut you up and tell you to shut up and want to keep that up or they want to do intel to get more information and keep provoking, keep provoking and keep it up every day. And they find new and newfangled ways to do it. They'll do it through social media. They'll use social media to do that. And you have to find ways to get people to stop. And not only that, you have to figure out ways to put that narc in their lane. And you have to find ways to stop them in their tracks. And you have to stop defending them in their wrongdoing. And a lot of them will keep that up or they'll continue their levels of, of narcissism, toxic invasion of privacy to do that. And I've had a narc that did that. I had a narc that went and accessed IP address, did all kind of things and continued to invade my privacy and continue to erode my mental health or attempt to and continue to toxic shame, toxic humiliate. And that's not okay. And those are things that we have to be mindful of when we're addressing that. Because the toxic experience, the levels of gross miscarriage of justice, the malfeasance, the medical levels of mis carriage of justice, malfeasance, the negligence, when I was telling the truth, it takes a lot for you to prove it. And by the time you do, it's a little too late. All the loss is monumental. And those are things that you have to be frank in dialogue and be able to address these things, these losses and things like that without the anger and improve your argument because not your argument when you're emotional for you. They use it against you. And so with that, I wanted to go over a couple of different things before we go into gratefulness because gratefulness is part of that to reduce the cheating, the lying, the fraud, the users, the takers, the abusive things that are done, the attention seekers, the eternally discontent and the board that like to keep about doing it. And then on top of that, to continue to do these different type of things and continue to malignantly do it or try to distract you or do things that will covert, keep you off of focus and pentameter. And this is what I meant by demonic bad spirits or people who are toxic, just like the Sheriff's Office New York stuff that's been going on forever and a day and things that I will continue to address in court and levels and depths of people who need to be put in their place and local sheriff's departments who were unethical and allowing it to happen and did nothing about it. And that's where you have to stop that. And that's where you have to stop the habitual provoking and the gaslighting and the abusive antics. And that's where you have to get justice, but you have to improve your argument. And then on top of that, with the networks and the things that are used to do that, where a malignant narc will sit there and go and access your IP with sound, continue to mess with devices and do all these different things, things that can be done without your permission and it's illegal actually and they should be chargeable offenses and that's why I said the United States is behind and so is the sheriff's department so are the local police departments who enable it so that's where I said they can be the hero or not the hero and then there are times where they're enablers as well and that's where we were getting into that the last and you have to find a fine ground of ethics and coercive control and of antics and levels of provoking and gaslighting this is what I meant by the devil in a blue dress or or you know People who have a Parisian level of feeling like they're entitled to abuse or because they have connections or they have people in high places to cover up their wrongdoing, things that can happen in COVID and they can happen with wealthy people, non-wealthy people, or people who feel entitled to abuse and provoke. And I go through it. 
on a regular basis and this is the reason why you need to unpack these different things and we're having this session too for this exact reason because once you are aware and full of that and once you are aware of the betrayal or the levels and depths of habitual valid arguments you have you become more calmer and when you realize that there are people who go all out their way to continue to invalidate that is an evil person they enjoy causing the harm they enjoy inflicting hurt they deliberately cause chaos they are chaotic they disruptive and they are broken people and they will never ever have introspective insight to as to the amount of detriment that they've caused and they don't care for one they've gained something from it two they either others that they recruit to do harm to you have gained something from it and they feel entitled to do so and they never want to get caught and they're professionals at ignoring minimizing abuse mocking abuse and totally disregarding evidence abuse and the wishes of anyone who's being abused by them and those type of toxic sociopaths are the worst type they are very dangerous and they will lie they will lie to cops they will lie to um, social services they will lie to court judges and not only are they unsafe nasty people they are habitual abusers and they're habitual provokers and they're every bit of poisonous and demonic in that and they poison your spirit they poison your mental health and they go out their way to do that and we've created a culture of 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 hiding evidence or or negating evidence or omitting evidence just to keep someone from getting in trouble or being held to a level of leadership or a responsibility for their bad behavior or misdeeds and that's part of it and when you have people who are willing to do that you have a level of well-being that has to be kept intact and when you go out your way in a work environment to make it toxic or anyone's work environment that's either work at home like COVID you'll have those type of situations like that and domestic abusers domestic terrorists take this time to really do that they will go out their way to go through your network and do all kind of things they will sit there and do these things like what was done to me in Atlanta I'll take you for instance when I was homeless messing with my internet and taking the Wi-Fi down and continuing to do so while I was working in homeless and going to school and going to college and it eroded my college experience and tired me out I had to move around several different places because of this and not only did it erode my well-being it eroded my being able to do business and finance and things like that and not only did I lose a lot of finance not only was the levels of fraud not only was there levels of abuse but it was enabled and you can imagine how a victim would feel in that instance that somebody did that and those are the things that you have to look at toxic work environment and workplace well-being and that's an initiative that's being addressed over there in the UK but it also needs to be addressed in the United States and again sorely but surely um, the United States is behind it and all of that and I, I, I suspect that a lot of times they don't want to address abuse because there's a lot of abusers in the United States There's a lot of people who feel entitled to abuse other people there's a lot of people who feel it's okay to do toxic things and shame someone into submission or quietness because it means it reveals what type of out of order or nasty demonic or disgusting low down trifling things that they've done and they feel that it's okay and they're entitled to do that without having to pay for it or having to adjust their sales or adjust what they've done but for a lot of toxic malignant narcissists sociopaths or people who are toxic just plain out not narcissists but just covert abusers overt abusers they feel entitled and justified based on your reaction so you have to think about those things and whether or not your workplace environment has support teams or support or adequate support if you're 
even outside the home going to work and you have to deal with that in workplace toxicity, workplace violence or emotional violence or it reaches over because if you work with a domestic violence ridden spouse or domestic toxic abuser or the object of your affection it's, is displaying an obsession towards you and their obsession is becoming deadly, detrimental, or toxic to your well-being, and they're inflicting that or they're recruiting other people. And if y'all work together, that becomes even more a detriment to toxic well-being and, you know, levels of eroding that person's workplace well-being. And that's why I call it toxic well-being because you're not focused on the well-being of that person. You're focused on being more toxic and eroding that well-being. That's why I say toxic well-being. So it means undermining the well-being and being toxic while you're at it. And that negates being and enforcing workplace well-being. And that's including passive aggressiveness or or habitual dumb insolence when somebody does something wrong because you like them or you like the manager but the manager's a nasty person or rely on you in a heartbeat if you address their behaviors and things like that. Those are things that we were talking about in Time's Up Me Too and why I love and hate the movement but I think it's adequate for HR specialists to start learning these type of things for workplace because workplace violence overlaps when it comes to home violence and if a spouse are working together and you're dealing with that can you imagine the levels and depths of how detrimental that is to work with a violent or emotionally violent spouse that's trying to put you up and make you look stupid in front of your colleagues or other echelon of people that is not good so then that's where the reactive abuse is used against the victim plenty of times in workplace settings so I set the precedence about that and that's where it's a haven for abusers to utilize that in a toxic workplace, toxic culture, or toxic environment. Same thing when you're outside of work and dealing with that and living in the house like during COVID and people are working from home and you've got a spouse that doesn't want you to work or a spouse that's coercive of control, smothering, annoying, a nuisance, or does things and makes you feel unsafe. You're dealing with that same type of phenomena and that culture or that environment but it's within your home and you should not feel that way and a living hell and dealing with that and that's where you have to figure out if your marriage or your relationship or the object of your uh, of, of that abuser's obsession and being the victim you have to realize is it worth it to allow yourself to be the object of their obsession their fatal attraction their fatal vows their fatal obsession and starting to address it and move on from them that is where we're talking about being grateful and being mindful and being present and being present in how you feel so you can move towards being grateful for realizing that and owning that and just moving forward and getting away from that but address it in the right manner and pentameter so it's not used against you. And a lot of the reactant is many times you'll have levels of stress that affects the body it does it causes heart failure it causes strokes it causes heart attacks it causes levels of detriment it causes gray hair it causes levels of stress and with that that is because your body is reacting the body remembers the body remembers everything that's been done to them and, and when I say them it's understood them so like a, a collective of all of us so all of us victims all of us who are recovery warriors our bodies remembers what happened to us so it's understood them, us, we, you. And emotionally violent con artists are good at interviewing well. And they have a habit of doing that. So you're always painted as crazy.
or unstable or unhinged, and that's usually what they like to do. And we'll go over one last thing here. And reactive abuse does not mean that you're the abuser or the narcissist. Please research the terms. If you're not familiar with them, reactivity, reactive abuse, trigger stacking, and being triggered. And narcissists and malignant narcs or toxic people love triggering people who are abused. They think it's funny and they're very childish and they have no capacity or regard or remorse for what they're doing and they get off on it that's what i talked about like the toxic online shame toxic bullying habitual bullying provoking gaslighting emotional abuse emotional torment and they can drive people to suicide and they don't care and the thing is i'm not suicidal by any way shape or form or anything like that but when people aid a bed a person in that and have you doxxed in certain manners and there are cases in south carolina Georgia, Florida, Tennessee about the same exact thing and when the victim does not have any intention to commit suicide and things like that but when you have people who are well connected they will have you docs as such they will sit there and tell lies on you you will end up going through a lot of things that are unfair and not right and by the time you address all of it that level of anger and animosity boils up to the surface and then when you're heard arguing about it people will continue to come after you and inflict damage and more harm because they feel justified or because you're acting like this they feel justified and want to justify what the abuser is saying because they know they helped or aided abetted in the harm and the hurt because they don't want to be reflective or look in introspectively like what did I do to help that? What did I do to help harm and hurt? They don't want to do that. And they enjoy the narcissistic abuse or toxic abuse or toxic workplace environment or toxic levels of bullying or online shaming, offline shaming, environmental shaming, environmental terrorism that they enlist. So that's the reason why I want you guys to understand and then you look at this emotional abuse manipulation and narcissistic abuse and reactive abuse they call you abusive for reacting to their abuse and you start in acting in ways that you don't normally act and you know they'll call you verbally abuses or maybe even physically when you finally just have had enough and you react in anger or hostility and a lot of times they do this and they use this in court and it invokes a level of CPTSD PTSD that happens to most victims because you don't forget you don't forget and you will ruminate you will feel some type of way about it and as you learn in therapies and going to doctors and this is why the second session is so important I wanted to highlight going to doctors going to therapists specialist because part of that is your recovery part of that is why I wrote about it in my books about going to seeing your doctors and learning how to thrive post abuse how to thrive from dealing with a malignant narcissist how to get past the grief how to get past the toxic shame how to get past the toxic humiliation how to find a way to get past it and become grateful and mindful and grow from out of the wreath of thorns that are on your head and readjust your crown set the sail that you are going to be okay and that you don't have to go through this anymore and you don't have to go through it by yourself there are people out here who've been through it so through COVID-19 a lot of people who are going through this in home I wanted to do the second session for you guys to understand that and that psychological abuse it can have an impact and it does because the derivative of NPD, which is Narcissistic Personality Disorder, is Borderline Personality Disorder, which is a derivative of dealing with someone with APD, Antisocial Personality Disorder, and Narcissistic Personality Disorder, or dealing with malignant nar or sociopathic narcs, or narcopaths is what they're called. And then, you know, they'll use the evidence. The abuser will actively delete ev evidence, abuse evidence, or uh, or 
literally try to erode that. So when you're going and telling the truth and they send someone to provoke and gaslight you, they're trying to erode the validity of it and the collating evidence against the abuse. They'll target the, tar the target of their obsession, abuse, or malignant narcissism and cause a reaction. They'll also be busy developing a crazy case to discredit the victim using the psychological abuse as a way in to do that. And that is one of the things that's the most maddening part about it and causes levels and depths of animosity so deep with the victim and or a recovery warrior like me or anybody else who's gone through this in the groups that I was talking about. And I want you guys to join my Caring Orchid recovery group because I want you guys to understand that is a private group. I do um, absolutely ask for ID and I do ask for people to prove who they are and let me know who their narc is to keep them out because part of Caring Orchid was in foundation of that while I was homeless and I wanted people to understand what it's like to actually have help when I didn't have the help I called the help and I got made fun of I got crazy made I got lied on and by the time I finally got justice it's a little too late you know as far as justice what I mean is like literally people validating it a little too late I didn't get real justice but I got the emotional justice years later and it's hard and does I don't want to sound like I'm not grateful for that I am because it finally came but it's that level of animosity and hostility that's there that it's the hurt and the harm that's done that can't be erased. And a lot of people don't get that. And I wanted to identify with some of my listeners, my babies, my male babies, my female babies that are going through this for you to understand. I get it. And I understand. I want to take you through it and bring you through that next hurdle, which is literally addressing this and not being angry. And you have to find a way to forgive yourself for Oh, just legitimately going through it, not for allowing it, because people will ask the question, why did you allow it? Why did you stay so long? Trauma bonding, Stockholm Syndrome, thinking it was your fault, and then also listening to people say it's your fault. And then you have to emotionally unlearn all of that, unpack all that, and that's part of where therapists and psychiatrists, psychologists come into play, and they are great if you get a good one and you're able to go through all of these different things and they help you to unpack all of that. And with me learning from that and also being a coach myself, I had to learn how to do that in real time. And I tell you, it's gotten ugly, beautiful, ugly, beautiful, and downright tragic sometimes in that recovery phase. But I'm there and my recovery. And I want you guys who are not just yet ready for recovery, but will get there to go see your doctors, go start seeing a therapist and start seeing someone to talk about these things. Because part of your therapy is talking about it. Don't suppress it and allow yourself to be upset, but learn how to channel that upset. So we're going to go close this out with the gratefulness and then we'll close it out with a final walkout and feel good about the second session, because this is part of two of part one of all of that so that those that are going through COVID and whatnot and going through this with domestic violence they understand that we all understand out here we're all rooting for all of you out here who are going through it and those of you who are offboarding from it I wish you the best so with that let's talk about being grateful real fast part of being grateful is one of those things where you have to have daily gratitude and part of that is asking yourself how your day was and scoring it from positive to negative and 
well, really negative to positive is what you want to do. Then you're going to progress and see what your successes are for the day. Pat yourself on the back. What did you do today that required courage or a positive choice? What did you do that was consistent with who you want to become and who do you want to be? And then in domestic violence, who do you want to be post-domestic violence? Who do you want to be as a person? Who do you aspire to be? And where do you want to grow from here? Because it's only going up from here, not down. And that's what I meant by doing that, being present and having that I am mindset in that mindful, abundant mindset that I am going to go past this, I am going to heal, I am going to grow, I am going to have a healthy mindset. So I want you guys to understand all of that. And then what have you learned and your goals and intentions? You know, what actions, what thoughts, and what steps are you taking today and going forward and being grateful for understanding and being able to move past that and move on. But never forget, but be able to forgive yourself. You don't have to forgive the other party, but moving forward. So with that, what have you figured out that triggered you or what have you figured out that you can do to untrigger that or connect the dots that triggers you or those that go out their way to trigger you. You have to remove them, reduce those risks, those things like that. Then what do I need to do to be kinder to myself? Where could you have been kinder to yourself today? And a lot of that is not being your own worst critic and a lot of that is understanding that you've been through a lot and then learning how to talk to people and being able to convey that. But understanding that a lot of it is going to take time, and that is not an overnight thing. So I don't want any of you who are going through COVID-19 thinking tomorrow it's going to be great. I just took this advice, and it's going to be just easy. It's not. You're going to have to do this every day repetitiously, and then you're going to have to be next mindful in all of that and putting the dots of being present and connecting those dots, your life compass, and all these different things that we talked about before about all of that. And then that, after that, look after you and self-care. And then gratitude and appreciation is that – you have to lower your standards at this point in time for yourself that you need time and you need time to breathe. You need time for fresh air. You need time to recover and your brain to recover and your body to stop remembering everything. That is going to take time. It didn't happen overnight, so don't expect it overnight. And don't expect yourself to be pushed into, oh, I'm free of this overnight. You're not. And I just wanted to sit back with my babies, male and female, and tell y'all that I know how it feels and that you got to take it one day at a time. Again, see your doctors, your therapists, your specialists who are there. Get your telehealth in and call your local hospitals or your doctors and things like that that you get referred to. And tell them, do you have telehealth? Can I talk to you? Or go call these helplines that are out there. I have resources in my group, so if you need them, let me know. Then also say to yourself, how's my day from score? Positive 5, negative 5. And the score for my day as I complete this in your thought processes, what did your score land at? Was it at a positive 5, negative 5, or was it positive 4, negative 4, positive 3, negative 3, or positive 2, negative 3, negative 2, or, or positive 1, negative 1? And think about that. You want to have more positives than you have negative. And then if, at the end of that, anything that you may want to think of, write it down, and anything you notice and reflect it on that you may want to do differently. So in that, what you want to do is in COVID is start practicing becoming present in your self-care and then try to tune out and gray rock if you have a narc in the house or if you're dealing with um, 
situations with childcare or a parental alienation or other things like that while you're going through all of this is find a way to be present and mindful of how you feel so you don't react and be caught in reactive abuse or reactive abuse syndrome or levels of it in reacting and then remember that you're loved and there's somebody out there that believes you and there's somebody out there that's validating you and there's somebody out there that hears you so I want for you guys to understand that so we're going to close this out with some positive good energy positive vibes and say I am going to make it I am going to have a wonderful day and I am vibing I am thriving I am healing so with that I closed out the second session of part two of part one of two about domestic violence and COVID. And I really want you guys to enjoy these sessions. And we'll, the next session, we'll have something light and airy to talk about. But I wanted to come back with a bang, and I think I did it. So I hope we all have been enlightened and share a good vibe. See you later. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.